Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior this morning, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, learn it, use it, apply it to learn how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body? Many parts. Many parts. You know it. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I want to say hello to all our family who are watching from the live feed, who can't be here with us. If you'd like to worship with us in unity of the spirit together this morning, we love you. And thank you for your continued support. And if you have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb this morning's service. And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity this morning, Lord, to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And as always, to put your name above all names, even our own, Lord, as all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord, and thank you for your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day. And we're definitely grateful for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every day, Lord. For without them, we wouldn't be able to go on and carry out your will. I pray, Lord, for all of us to have holy amnesia, Lord, and forgive anyone who offends us or if we have anything against anyone this morning to forgive and forget like you forgive and forget us every day, Lord, so we can get a crystal clear message through your word by your spirit, Lord. And we're grateful. We pray for the people that are sick. And we pray for our nation, Lord, that you open hearts as this holiday season, as Christ's birth is um, glorified, Lord, that we can bring others into your kingdom as hearts are open, Lord. We pray for the people who are suffering, Lord, that you reassure them you're with them, you'll never leave them nor forsake them, and there's a purpose in everything you do. And as always, Lord, let everything be done by your spirit this morning and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to worship.
song, How Great Is Our God. Amen? Amen. All right. He is. Name above all names. Look at our church. Doesn't it look beautiful? Oh, we've got to thank our uh, interior designers there. Beautiful voice, beautiful church. We are so blessed. Amen? It's so good to see Greystone up and alive again, right? Amen? Almost a year ago, it was going to close the doors. Now we're filling back up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, it's great to see everybody. We are going to start in 1 John chapter 3 as we celebrate the Advent season this morning. We're going to talk about that. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. We are using the black Bibles in the pew. Please help yourself to it. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taking over as I go into the scriptures. So please prepare your hearts and clear your minds to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Okay. 1 John chapter 3. Let's sip a turbo here. Let me get this started. All right. <laughs> I'm noticing how much faster we are getting to the pages. You notice? Yeah, you are. You don't know how that brings joy to my heart. Because that's what it's all about. It's about what's in this book. The Word of God. That governs the church. 1 John chapter 3. Let's go to verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us. For He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world... Don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. As we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord, we become more and more like him on this journey. Finally, when we go to home to be with him, we're going to be just like him. Amen? Amen. It. It's going to be awesome. And look at verse 3. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. That's why this church is all about spiritual growth, right? But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. As we get to know him and understand him, we never become sinless down here. That's impossible. But we start to sin less. Can I get an amen for this? As we understand his unconditional love for us and his grace and mercy that begins afresh every day, he's not holding it against us. So when we fail, we dust ourselves off and get back in the game again. We never beat ourselves up with guilt and shame. Conviction, yes, which is a good thing. But guilt and shame, no. That's been paid for at the cross. Jesus took the beating already. There's no need for you to beat yourself up when you fail. Okay? When you do that, it's the devil trying to beat you up. Make you feel like you're not saved. But we're not saved by our performance. We're saved by our faith and what we believe in. I get amen for this. It never depended on our performance to get saved. And it doesn't depend on our performance to stay saved. Our fruit comes from our salvation, from the understanding of our salvation and growing spiritually. Amen? That's how we get fruitful. <laughs> All right. Now look what it says in verse 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this, though. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, 
It shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born, now listen what it says here, into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So what's he saying here? Do not make a practice of sinning. There's two different kinds of sin. There's sins of weakness, like every day we fail, and there's sins of what? Disobedience, when we willfully know what God wants us to do, and we say, no, I'm still going to do it my way. There's deliberate sin and, will, and um, weakness of sin. Can I get any amen for this? We have to understand what he's talking about. It says, so they cannot make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. The Holy Spirit convicts us. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. Now look at verse 10. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Can I get an amen for this? That is what the Bible teaches. And that's what we teach in this church. Just what it says. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously or does not love other believers does not belong to God. Can I get an amen for this? Okay, so we get that great understanding of his matchless grace and, and tender-hearted mercies. God's grace is the power to say no to our sins and yes to him. Amen? So as we grow, we start to sin less. None of us can sit here and say we're, we're sinless. Thought, word, and deed. Right? Amen. So we get, the, we get the right understanding, right? But when we know God tells us not to do something and we continue to do it, it's telling us that the devil is working through us, not the Holy Spirit. Amen? Can the devil work through a believer? Absolutely. We have to make a choice each and every day who we're going to follow. The Holy Spirit or the devil or the flesh? The flesh always follows the devil. The spirit always follows Jesus. Amen? Amen. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All of us have weaknesses. We understand that. We don't use it as an excuse, though. Amen. All right. We're going to talk about Advent this morning. we got the candle lit of hope. I'm going to explain it so people understand what it is, okay? During Advent at Christmas, and Christmas, festively decorated evergreen wreaths hang in windows and on doors everywhere. In many homes and churches, it is also common to see special wreaths lying on tables or ledges adorned with four candles, usually three purple and one pink. This familiar symbol of the season is the Advent wreath. Traditionally, the Advent wreath is a circle of evergreen branches. It is often decorated with berries and pine cones. Both the evergreen branches and the circular shape symbolize the passing of time and eternal life. The shape of the wreath with no beginning or end reflects the complete and endless love that Jesus has for us. During the Advent season, we eagerly anticipate his first and second coming and the promise of eternal life in heaven with him. The first Sunday of Advent in 2022 will be Sunday, November 27th, which is today. After a tumultuous year, there is comfort to be found when we pause to read, pray, and reflect over the course of the Advent season in which believers eagerly anticipate the celebration of Christ's birth. The most common Advent candle tradition, however, involves four candles. A new candle is lit on each of the four Sundays before Christmas. Each candle represents something different Although traditions vary, the four candles traditionally represent hope, love, joy, and peace. Often, the first, second, third, and fourth, a fifth white candle is placed in the middle and is lit on Christmas Day to celebrate Jesus' birth. The first Sunday of Advent gives us the opportunity to center our thoughts on hope. 
It's a beautiful chance to remember the hope God offers to the lost and dying world and that he has given us through Jesus Christ. Big amen there, right? All right, so I want us to turn to Galatians chapter 4. So now we understand what that means, right? It represents something there. Did I explain that all right? You get an understanding of that? Amen. Good. Does it have to be done? No, it's just a tradition that we can follow and recognize Jesus in this season. Instead of just one day, we got the whole month to honor him. Amen? That's right. Without him, there is no Christmas. Christmas means Christ Mass. That's what it means. And, and unfortunately, Christmas falls on Sunday this year. So we're going to actually have a service right on Christmas Day. How beautiful is that? Thank you, Jesus, right? It's our first Christmas here together as the Way Ministries. No coincidences, right? Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 4. See, we have to understand there's nothing wrong with traditions as long as we don't force them on people or make them a law. We follow them because we love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay, there's nothing wrong with them. It's whatever's in your heart. Some people follow it, some people don't. Either way, it's all good. And verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him, why did God send him? To buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children or sons. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic term for father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. How about a big amen for that? Okay, now listen. Paul, the writer of Galatians, articulates so perfectly the great hope we celebrate at Christmas. Without God's intervention, we are all slaves, bound up by our sin nature, and hopelessly headed to the grave. Because of God's great love for us, he came down and rescued humanity by sending his son as a sacrifice for our sin, so we could be free from the chains of sin and become fully part of God's glorious eternal family. On this first Sunday of Advent, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' arrival as a gift to all humanity, let's stir up in our hearts and homes a sense of anticipation. Over this Advent, we pray that hope would rise up in our spirits in a tangible and life-giving, life-changing way. How about a big amen there? All right, now let me explain Advent a little more now. The word advent, okay, comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming. Advent in the 4th and 5th centuries was a time of preparation for the baptism of new Christians. Christians would spend 40 days in prayer and fasting to prepare for the celebration that accompanied the baptism of new believers. Advent is connected to the coming of Christ. Originally, Christians used this term to reference Christ's second coming. But by the Middle Ages, Advent was connected to Christ's first coming that we celebrate at Christmas. Today, we celebrate Advent over the four weeks leading up to, the Christ up to Christmas each year. 
This year we begin Advent on the 29th and end this season of prayerful anticipation on December 24th. Advent season is an invitation to set your mind off the stresses of the year. <laughs> Tell me about it. We can take our focus off the crazy hustle that can be associated with the Christmas season that often threatens to produce more hassle than delight. You hear Christians say, I can't wait till Christmas is over. Now, should a Christian be saying that? No, never. But that's what the world does. It puts us in turmoil. Advent is a chance to focus our thoughts on the gift God has given us in his son Jesus, who stepped down from heaven and took the form of a man so that we might believe. The tradition for the first Sunday of Advent includes lighting the candle of hope. You see it's lit? The hope candle is lit. Symbolizes promises delivered through the prophets from God as well as the hope we have in Christ. God crafted a great rescue plan that he lays out in scripture. This plan foretells years in advance the arrival of Christ. The Bible also gives us a gl glimpse of the future and promises that God will come down to create a new heaven and earth. This first Sunday of Advent, we read, pray, and reflect on the hope God's plan gives us foretold by the prophets and fulfilled by the life and death of Christ. We meditate on the promise of Christ's coming, glory-filled return. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Is everybody with me so far? Amen. All right. We're getting a good understanding of this. I studied it so we can understand it and enjoy it. So you can understand it. Some people come and say, I don't even know what it's all that about. I just told you what it's about. <laughs> so now you know. Today it's about hope. If you look out in the world today, the way it looks, people are losing hope out there. They're trying to find hope in presidents, in politicians, and thinking they're going to be able to change the situation. How can sinful human beings change sinful people when they're sinners themselves? Big sinners, exactly. It's the blind leading the blind, thinking that there's going to be a, a, somebody that's going to be like Jesus in the White House is going to take care of everything. The only way Jesus is going to get in the White House is when somebody plops a Bible on the table and says, this is what you go by. That's when Jesus will be in the house. Like they say, in God we trust, that's just a slang term today. They don't trust God. They trust in people. And that's why the world is such a mess. And it's not going to get any better till when? Till he comes back to get things straightened out. Amen. So put your hope in Christ, not in people. Can I get an amen for this? You hear people talking about this all the time. People all have the same nature. We're all born with sin natures. There's no one better than anybody else, whether they're in the president's office or in prison. We all got evil hearts. And without Christ, it's even worse. So I'm putting my hope in Jesus. I hope you do too. And then you can have peace on earth. Because there's all hell breaking loose out there right now. And there is no hope out there. The hope is right here. The hope is right here in the house. This should be your first thought every morning. Jesus Christ. Not the world or what's going on on your agenda calendar. Because without Jesus, there is no agenda calendar. Put him first and everything else will fall into place. Then you won't have to worry about what's going on on TV. All this going on. And worry is a lack of faith. The Bible says, can worry add a single day to your life? No, it can't. It actually takes days away. Worry is like poison. It stresses you out. It kills you. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My burdens are light. Look, when things start to get heavy, give it to Jesus and you'll be free. I call it holy amnesia. Forget it. 
and move on. Think of the things above. This is not our permanent home. You have to remember that. So don't try to build your kingdom down here. As a Christian, our kingdom is up there. Reasonably happy here and supremely happy when we go to be with him. Amen? All right, look at Matthew 12, verse 18. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or show or raise his voice in public. Well, I haven't seen a politician like that yet. <laughs> fight or raise his voice in public. That's all they do is fight and, and tear each other down in public. That's got nothing to do with Jesus, that's for sure. It's terrible. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. When he comes back, the justice will be, he will be victorious. Then it says, look what it says in 21. And his name will be the hope of all the world. Our hope is when Jesus comes back of all the world. He's going to settle everything down here. And as he's quoting Isaiah 42, 1 to 4. All right, now that you're in Matthew, go to Matthew chapter 1. This is way better than CNN, I'll tell you right now, what you're hearing. You're hearing truth this morning. <clears throat> There's so much propaganda in social media today. It's crazy. Everybody takes it as truth. They Google it and think everything they tell you is truth. You want truth? Read the word of God. You'll find all the truth you need. <laughs> Jesus is truth, which is the word. Very simple. Now look what it says, Matthew 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Put an amen there. Isaiah 7, verse 14. God came into the world. God is with us. When Jesus came down, he was with us. He saw what we went through. He bare all our burdens. He seen every sin. We had. He bared every burden, every sin. He seen whatever human being had to go through on this earth. So we could have compassion and empathy on us. And he took the hit for all of us. All right, now go with me, Isaiah 64. Verse 1. Isaiah 64, yep. that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn 
the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Listen to that. You hear that? Who works for those who wait for him. What's wrong with Christians? They don't wait for him. We always take matters in our own hands and we make a mess and we end up setting ourselves back just like Abraham did, right? He wanted to wait for the, for the child. He wouldn't have one out of wedlock. And God said, no, that's not my child. That's yours. Because you didn't wait on me. Set him back 15 years. So listen, take advice from the Bible. When you take matters in your own hands, you're only setting yourself back. Thank any amen for that. Look what it says in 5. You welcome those who gladly do good. You who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us. For we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? Can we? Can we save ourselves? No. How can we be saved? By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you will be saved. How about an amen for that? That's all it takes. What is he saving us from? Ourselves. We're the problem. Jesus is the solution. And the result is a miracle. Get it? The problem's not outside. The problem's inside. The problem's not outside. The problem's inside. What comes from the inside is what happens outside. Murder. All the stuff that's going on out in the world comes from a heart that is being controlled by the flesh or the devil. But when there's a heart of love, there is none of that. Look, if you plopped the Bible on the table in the White House and went by them principles, you wouldn't have to lock your doors. There'd be no problems. But people say, no, we don't need God. We got it figured out. <laughs> Take a look out there. Does it look like you got it figured out? No. I can't even figure myself out, never mind anybody else. How about an amen for that? Amen. All right, Isaiah 61 1. While you're in Isaiah, verse 1 The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed or and the blind will see. Like it tells in Luke 4, 18. Verse 2. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. How about that one, huh? Listen, you don't have to fight your enemies. Jesus is the one. Who's your enemy? Satan. How does Satan work? Through people, through places, and through things. What do people do? They attack people, places, and things. And the devil says, that was all me, <laughs> not them. We hate the sin, not the sinner. Can I get any amen for this? People don't understand it's spiritual. It's spiritual warfare. What's behind what the people are saying is the devil. So when we, instead of attacking them, what do we do? Come on, what does the Bible tell us to do? To love our enemies and pray for them. We don't have to defend ourselves. Who's our, who's our advocate? Jesus. He's our defense attorney. When you keep your mouth shut, there's more power in that than when you open it. Trust me. Tell me. Talk, come on now. People can't figure you out when you keep your mouth closed when they're attacking you. They can't figure you out. Can't be discerned. They're saying, what, 
I can't get to this person. What's going on? Because that's what they try to do, right? They find an opening. They want to get in. And once they do, once you start opening your mouth, what happens? Fire. Right? The whole the tongue comes out. And no more Jesus. Jesus is hiding. Jesus is saying, that's not me, by the way. Jesus, come on, say, by the way, that's not me, that's them. <laughs> How about any men for that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Imagine if Jesus would come on and say, wait a minute, stop. I know they say they're Christians, but that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> that's why when you grow spiritually you could represent the Lord Jesus Christ the right way you could keep your mouth shut when you have to and then you can speak when you have to with no fear understanding that the Holy Spirit goes ahead of you usually your first reaction is not from God that's why the Holy Spirit puts the brakes on stop, think let God take over don't let that first Thing come out because you know it's you not him when you stop and ask the Lord to take over then the right things will come out of your mouth that's one thing we need to learn to do zip it be quiet let the Holy Spirit come don't respond right away and get me meant for this the Holy Spirit's our governor you understand the scripture say oh I know me and I know Jesus then you say to yourself that's not what's coming out of my mouth is not Jesus. Then you can understand it. That's what spiritual growth is all about. Then you can, put the, you can put the cap on it. The Holy Spirit does for us what we can never do for ourselves. Get it? It's that simple. How come it's, it's so simple but we can't get it right? You know why? Because we don't have enough of God's word in here. It has to get in here. And the world system has to get pushed out. That's why every day... You get in the word of God and start reading so the scriptures start to get in and the world starts going out. You shut off the TV. You shut off all the worldly things and you let the spiritual things start to get in and take over. If you don't, you can't fit, they both, you can't put something in a full closet. If your mind is full of the world and what's going on out there, you can't fit the spiritual stuff in there. So what do you do? You shut it all off and spend time with God. That's how you get stronger spiritually. There's no other way. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen by just coming to church once a, once a week. Every day, get on your knees and pray. Get in the Bible and read. From Genesis to Revelation. If you don't feel like doing that, no problem. I'll do it for you. Go on the website and listen to the Bible in the year. Get it all for you. This way here, you can still do your busyness and whatever while you're driving and still get the word of God in you. There's so many ways to do it. Can I get any meant for this? All right, the first one. Hope is never lost, okay? Hope is crying out to be heard, seen, and experienced. Sometimes it's difficult to see hope in a situation. But the Bible says that true hope is unseen. And if we can be hopeful for one thing, such as your salvation, which is also unseen, then we can be hopeful for other things too. It's just that simple. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. See, the Bible says if we already have something, there's no need to hope for it. Right? If you already have something, then you don't have to hope for it. Look at uh, Romans 8, look at verse 24. There's no hope out there. There's plenty of hope in here. Look at uh, Romans 8 verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. 
You see, the Holy Spirit gives us patience and confidence, something we don't have in the flesh. So we need to wait. When we wait, we have to wait what? Patiently and confidently. That is something that is very hard to do, especially in America, to wait patiently. We're like, all right, three minutes is up. I didn't. Things happen over time, not overnight. Things are not instant. Usually instant stuff doesn't taste good. You ever have a cup of instant coffee? <laughs> have a cup of instant coffee and then go have something that's been brewed the right way that took 10, 15 minutes to do. And you tell me they're going to taste the same. Right? Simple analogy, right? So if you want God to work instantly... It's not going to be long-lasting, like something when you wait patiently for, something that takes root in your soul, and it's something that you have for the rest of your life. You know what they say, easy come, easy go? It's the same thing with, the, the same thing with this. Spiritual growth does not come easy. You do not know how strong your flesh is till you try to say no to it. Say, no, I'm not going to do that thing I'm craving right now. I'm going to represent the church and God right now. And you will get so uptight because you can't gratify your flesh. You start to get angry until it dies. And you say, wow, that's hold stopping me from doing God's work. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You can't have both. Christians love to try to mix it. I got some stuff over here that's still good. So when I come over here, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna mix the world and the word together. It doesn't work that way. You come all deformed. You got one going this way, one this way, you're getting pulled in two directions. Think how crazy life is already. You wanna get pulled in two directions as a Christian? That's what happens. It makes it even harder for a Christian when you go back to the ways of the world again. Because you have truth. The world is ignorant. Ignorance is not bliss for us anymore. So now when you have truth and you go back to try to go back to ignorance, it doesn't work. All right, second thing. We can be confident in hope. We can find rest when we confidently hope on the Lord. We, not, we have now understood that hope is unseen, but if it is unseen, can we trust it? After all, we can trust the chair we sit in or the mug we pour our coffee into because we can see it. Right? Likewise, there are things that we can trust without seeing, too. We can trust that our insurance company will cover a certain amount of losses or that baking cookies will leave a wonderful aroma in our kitchen. I, I hope it does. <laughs> Some people should stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> and you can tell by... <laughs> <laughs> he said, what the heck are you cooking? <laughs> it smells like somebody's socks. Maybe <laughs> not to eat that. No, no just to do a side note. Hey. Yeah, I got to throw a little humor in. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right. We can trust our insurance company will cover a certain amount of losses or we'll get a nice smell in the kitchen when you're baking cookies. It is a nice smell, right? When you smell something good in the kitchen. Mmm, what's that cooking in there? I can't wait. Right? We are confident in them because these are legal and natural laws. In the same way, although we can't see it, we can be full of hope. Hope assures us that we can be confident in it because it's the law of God. Now you name amen there. Amen. Where am I going to go with this? Go with Hebrews chapter 11, 1. Let me keep you a little bit longer here today. Everybody knows this scripture. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So faith and hope work together. Right? Mm -hmm. By your faith we have hope. Amen. How many of us hoping that Jesus comes back soon? Yeah. But 
The thing of it is, he is going to come back soon. He's coming back. The question is, are you going to be ready when he does? We're preparing stuff. He's preparing us for eternity and what it's going to be like out there in eternity. How to be godly and Christ-like. So the new heaven and new earth, that's how it's going to operate. True hope comes from God. Last one before we close. True hope comes from God. He is the creator of all things, including hope. He's the one who created hope. Sometimes we hope for things in which there is no hope. A cock can bring true hope. It can bring a feeling of contentment and exhilaration, but not real hope. Financial stability can't bring true hope either. It can bring security, right, and a level of ease, but not true hope. A spouse can't bring true hope because a spouse's abilities are limited to what he or she can control. True hope comes from the one who created hope, God. True hope comes by trusting God even when the circumstances are difficult. One way to know whether you're trusting God is whether you are obeying his word. One way to know whether you're trusting God is whether you are obeying his word. Trust produces obedience, which produces hope, which results in joy and peace, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen for that? All right, Romans 15. We're going to close here this morning, but I want you to get this. How do you know you're trusting God? By obeying the word. All right, Romans 15, verse 7. I love this scripture right here. He's quoting a lot of the Old Testament. Watch this. Romans 15, verse 7. This is a big part of the Christian life right here. What I say in verse 7 is one of the biggest parts of the Christian life. I call it AAA. Acceptance, awareness, and accountability. You get them three things down, you will grow spiritually like you never believed. Look at it says in verse 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that you, so that God will be given glory. So what's he saying? Accept each other where you're at. Don't try to force your opinion on another Christian. Just accept people where they're at and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Can I get an amen for this? Then there'll be harmony in the church. If you notice, this church doesn't have much strife, does it? You don't see anybody fighting in here, do you? Why? Because we're just showing love and accepting each other where we're at. We all know we're sinners. We're in a hospital. We're healing. God's got us all in a different place. So we just accept it. Amen? Okay. Beautiful. Now look what it says in verse 8. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies for them. We're Gentiles. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. Psalms 18 verse 49. and verse 10, in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And what's he quoting there? Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. He's quoting Psalm 117, verse 1. And in another place, Isaiah said, To the heir to David's throne, or the root of Jesse, David was the son of Jesse, will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. And they will place their hope on him. Isaiah 11.10. Who do we place our hope in? Jesus Christ. And it was predicted long ago. 700 years prior. Look in verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope. This is a closer right here. Will fill you completely with joy and peace. How? Because you trust in him. I'm going to say it again. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. And how am I going to get joy and peace? Because you trust in him. And how do you know you're trusting him? I am obeying his word. How about an amen for that? Then look what it says. Then you will overflow with confident hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How about an amen for that? All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share that. Never lose hope. Amen? All right, I'm going to call the, the ushers to come up and take up the collections, and we are going to close.
file our head to the great king of the universe and thank him for all the marvelous blessings he gives us. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. We humble ourselves today, Lord, and we come to you as a family. Father, we are your sheep and you are our shepherd. Yes, Lord. Psalm 23, John 10. Father tells us you are our shepherd and we know your voice, Lord. And we come to you and you promise to take care of us. All the beautiful yes, promises of Psalm 23 we claim today. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful church you've given us in this family. Thank you so much for John, who is such a fantastic pastor. He loves you so much and Lori, thank you, Lord. who do so much for us and cares so much about us, Father. The Lord is a true king and he cares for each one of the sheep. He loves us, he is a true shepherd. And Father, he is, Jesus came and humbled himself as a child. And he suffered and he felt pain and fear. And Lord, you are the light of the world. Jesus came as our light. Yes, And Lord. he asked us, his children, to be a beacon of that light. Because there are many hurting people, Lord, that just either need a smile, either need an ear, who just need a simple act of love and kindness to make their day a better day. And Lord, may we come to you. May we realize who you are, Lord, and that we're in your hands and you will not let harm come to us. You'll take care of us, and whatever problem we have, you are faithful. Isaiah 43, 2 promised that you are with us in this dark valley, and no suffering that we suffer is wasted. We've got to be good steward of our suffering and yes, see how Lord. God's brought us through each step so that we can reach out to someone else and give them the message of hope. And Lord, we just thank you once again and may the beauty of Christmas, the true meaning, the lights, the love, the music, and the meaning of the season glow in our hearts. And in Jesus' name, we thank you for everything. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Cindy. The service is over. I hope you have a good day. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace.